Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Mastermind.fm. In this episode we're interviewing Lisa Aizupiete from Fintelum and we'll be talking about this platform, this new platform based in Latvia, which offers tokenized assets. So as investors, we can invest in businesses who are tokenizing their equity basically and then receive dividends and they have different models. Uh, in terms of Fintelum, how this could work, but it's uh, basically a new way of thinking about investing in companies. And uh, following on last week's episode, I think it's a great addition to this idea of how to invest even using our crypto in companies, in actual companies that are smaller than those that would be being listed on the big exchanges like the IPOs we hear about, but also especially within Europe, uh, companies that need investment money to capitalize or to expand. And also what I like about Fintelum and similar platforms is the ability to put our crypto to work. So once you have invested with crypto, you need to find ideally a way to just use it as you would use your euros, dollars and whatever currency you have. So Fintelum offers you the opportunity to invest in projects at the moment using Ethereum or Bitcoin. So that's something that's an option for those holding crypto, but you can also invest in traditional ways, I mean, using euros basically, and uh, just deposit euros into the project. So anyway, without further ado, I would love to welcome Lisa on the show. It's going to be a great conversation. We'll, we'll touch on several topics. So without further ado, Let's get on with, with today's episode. A big thanks to the sponsors of this show, InRento. InRento makes rental property investment easy. It's a buy-to-let property crowdfunding platform that allows investors to easily invest in carefully selected rental properties. Investing with InRento is similar to owning a rental property. However, with InRento, you don't have to worry about the day-to-day -day property management. And in periods of vacancy, you will get still fixed interest payments. And InRento allows investors to earn passive income from rental properties without having the need to invest large amounts in order to acquire the properties. In rental investments are driven by cash flow and rental contracts, which is considered a lower risk investment. You can hear about InRento in my interview with Gustas, the founder, in episode 146. To go and explore more about InRento, visit InRento.com and you can start earning rental income today with investments from 500 euros. Hi Lisa, welcome to Mastermind.fm and this show as always there's my also my dad Joseph and we'll be talking about Fintelum so why don't you just give us a background about yourself and the team as we always do it's very important to know who's behind every project or platform that we we talk with and then obviously let's start digging into what the platform does. Hi, Jean. Hi, Joe. Joseph. It's great to be with you. Well, to kick off, uh, Fintelum is a tokenization platform. And what we do is, uh, in a sense, very classic uh, approach to offering investments to the crowd. So democratizing access to uh, investments. And on the other side, we are looking for innovative projects within the scope of crowdfunding limits, which is up to 5 million. 
And uh, of course, we can offer also higher investment instruments, but this is something that we're focusing on. So I'm myself from Riga, Latvia, traveled extensively, studied abroad and working with my current team now approximately for 12 years. We've been in the business of managing various assets, exchange traded uh, assets across the globe. We had started um, back in 2009, where we managed two funds. We had one mainland China-based fund even. Uh, we had an office in Shanghai, in Shanghai Pudong. So there's a lot of, lot of experience with exchange-traded funds and exchange-traded instruments, such as commodities, raw materials. And that's where the, the, the beginnings of our uh, collaboration started. Then later on, we built a, an institutional-grade uh, Bitcoin exchange, which was called Globitex, which is still called Globitex. It's, it's up and running and it's uh, a successful business. And for that, we had a 10 million fundraise as an ICO, which was uh, quite unprecedented. And further down the line, we have now uh, with this project, which is called Fintulum, which is in Latin, basically financial weapon, if you like, or a tool. And this is geared towards innovative projects who perhaps don't find it easy to find financing with banks or venture capital. And at the same time, for investors who largely do not have access to good investment opportunities. We combine cryptocurrencies as investable currencies into these projects with the aim of reaching a wider audience. We would like to see not only investments flowing in, in euros, small or larger amounts, but we would like to see a global participation in good, legally stable jurisdictions such as it is in Latvia. It could later on be also Ireland and Luxembourg because they have a similar commercial law uh, set up. But overall, this is to create a marketplace for smaller companies and for investors as a place where they could shop and develop their own portfolio. Sounds good. Okay, so we'll dig into all the ins and outs of Fintelum. And also, I'd like to compare it also as a bit later, maybe to other ways that we've explored on the podcast. And I've also written about on my blog, things like P2P lending and crowdfunding and how and crypto in general. So you I think what you do is combining a lot of these elements, but I also want to dig deeper into how they differ as well for the benefit of investors who may be more experienced either with crypto investing only or P2P lending only. So before we do that, I'd like to have my dad start off with some questions from his end. I know he's done some research. So let's start from there. Yeah, I'm Joseph. I'm 65 years old, quite conversant with traditional finance and funding. Like many people of my age, we are getting quite intrigued by these developments which are growing fast and uh, not to fall behind, <laughs> at least, and not to miss an opportunity. We are looking into them with interest. Although, like me, most of my age group perhaps are still struggling to understand exactly um, how they work. First of all, um, let's start with Fintelum uh, as a company. I understand it's Latvian, but under the regulation of the authority in Estonia, is that right? So first of all, hi Joseph, good to be with you and uh, you know, good to answer all your questions. I love the fact that you come from a classical investment uh, industry, so I'm ex extremely thrilled to have all your questions. 
to be honest, every time someone addresses um, anything to me, they automatically think that I'm in crypto business. And that's largely because of my previous business, which was Globitex. And it is true that Globitex was an amazing idea and, and an amazing product still is. But Fintulum actually has very little to do with crypto insofar as buying crypto and managing crypto. Because at Fintulum, we only accept crypto as a payment option. And at the end of the day, we tokenize or make a token of that shareholder agreement, so to speak. And we put it on a blockchain as part of our vision of the future, how it you know, could potentially look for any securities. So this is as far as crypto goes, just to clarify. So in that sense, Fintelum is very little about crypto because investment effectively is going to be converted into euros and paid into capital account, shareholder capital account of that company specifically. And right now we have one offer, which is called Key Project. And by virtue of investing through Fintelum, you would be investing directly into Key Project and you wouldn't be leaving the money to Fintelum as a platform. So this is direct investment. And you also would own directly those shares from the project. But one of the skepticisms that arise about platforms like yours, many others, they're still young. You are still young in terms of history, you know, your platform. We're not talking about platforms that have been around for 20, 30 years. It's still a young industry. And the first question arises on regulation. Obviously, people wouldn't like to be scammed. Therefore, they look for regulation. Where is the company based? Is the environment serious? Is it regulated? Etc. Etc. Therefore, do I understand well that you are in Latvia but regulated in uh, Estonia? So effectively, initially, we're not actually that young. This is our fourth year in the business. And effectively, at the very start, we did register in Estonia because Estonia had very interesting crypto regulation in place. Whereas I would say it was so popular that it got overcrowded and the regulator became perhaps a little more strict with these companies, especially those that didn't have much activity. So in order to you know come to terms to what exactly we want to do, we closed that company down and we are just registered in Latvia as a regular company because at the moment, at that moment at least for sure, there was no regulation in Latvia as far as crypto crowdfunding or even crowdfunding per se. Now, we, despite all of this, we've been very active in lobbying the local law here in Latvia and also participating in the European crowdfunding network developing the crowdfunding uh, regulation, which I actually have here in front of me, you know, to actually have this industry in order. And it did come in effect on 7th of October 2020, and it will be implemented this year in November. So up until November, effectively, none of these platforms are obliged to be licensed per se. However, they do subscribe to a certain framework of honest, transparent activities, and that's where we stand at the moment. When we do get a license as, and if we do get a license as crowdfunding service provider, you know, following the regulation on uh, service uh, on, on crowdfunding service providers by the European Union, at that point, the payment, as I mentioned, for the securities or whatever projects will go directly to the platform. 
and not, as I explained earlier, directly to the project. So then we will be taking your money and basically putting it in one big bag and maybe having some sort of auto-invest options, etc. But at the moment, we know that this would be illegal for us to do, so we do not provide it. We provide selecting of the projects, screening of the projects, provide open documentation on these uh, equity offerings. We provide technical solution for them to collect the money, to manage it, to convert it into euros and uh, legal advisory as well as business advisory. So all of these services are, are what Fintelum stands for technical and compliance provider, basically, up until the point when we become, if we become licensed as crypto or rather crowdfunding service provider, because there is no crypto crowdfunding service provider regulation. Crypto is just a factor which we add to our business in order to become a little more exciting to a wider public. Because maybe, you know, our people in South Africa or somewhere in whatever African continent or South America or Asia, they don't have euros. But we want to reach to that public eventually. And we want to see investment flow through crypto effectively considering cryptocurrencies as a foreign direct investment vehicle or a tool. Um, the fact that there is quite a high concentration of platforms in uh, the Baltics, to what reason do you attribute this spectacular growth? Uh, because, I, I mean, I was wondering, on one hand, people can possibly think, why there? Is it because the rules are lax? Or on the other hand, is it there because the people there want to improve themselves and they are proving themselves through this high-level IT-related crowdfunding opportunities? And uh, to be fair, every time we interviewed somebody from the Baltics, it was up to standard. I mean, he answered all the questions correctly, I mean, on the ball, etc., etc. What are your views? Well, first of all, let me uh, differentiate between Fintelum and other platforms which are in the Baltics. Majority of them, in fact, 100% of them are not equity offerings. They are something called, basically, they're debt offerings, and it's a completely different product. So in our case, we are actually quite unique. But the reason why there are so many platforms which are offering uh, exciting deals is because here is an economic growth, and we are living in a relatively low to negative yield economy. That is basically these two factors put together contribute towards exciting opportunities for where the growth is. And the Baltics notoriously is known for a high growth environment at the moment. Of course, so is China, but entry into Chinese market, I can tell you it's quite a challenge and uh, investing into Chinese projects is even bigger a challenge. So, you know, the best bet is that developing part of Europe where growth is still possible. And another difference is that the projects themselves are very much real estate related. And real estate is something that typically a growing economy starts with. I would like to believe that real estate will you know, possibly calm down within two, three years, and we will see more productive companies which are actually producing something again. After the fall of the Soviet Union, there's a lot of production which uh, these countries lost. And slowly but surely, we're, we're recovering and we're going back into producing and, and making stuff and not relying perhaps on stuff made in China or elsewhere. So this process of recovery after you know changes of, of 
of big dictatorships is something that takes time. But one of the first uh, industry developments is, is always real estate. First of all, it's infrastructure, and that was financed by the European Union. And the next one is real estate, which is also partly financed by the European Union, but not at the moment anymore. And therefore, there's a, there's a room for the private investor to come in. And the yields that are being offered are extremely attractive. So it's upwards of 10%. And for a typical retail investor, that's uh, an enormously uh, interesting uh, offer. Okay. Therefore, uh, looking at platforms similar to yours, in a way, as I see it, uh, it's uh, quite similar to a stock exchange, a sort of mini stock exchange. What are the similarities and differences uh, with uh, the traditional stock exchange? Sure. Well, first of all, Pendulum would never claim to be stock exchange. Although we do have the know-how and technical capability of offering a high-frequency matching order book, but that is not going to be the case with Pendulum, simply because the crowdfunding uh, regulation that I mentioned is uh, prohibitive of that. So there will be secondary market, but it will be sort of um, a very simplistic on bulletin board type of uh, matching. Now, in NASDAQ, there is unregulated leg of the NASDAQ market called the First North. And we, in fact, could say that we're directly competing with the First North, in a sense, being different at the same time, because we see an investment that needs to be simplified even more not to go through complex uh, brokerage accounts or banking accounts through investment, investment uh, specific investment accounts in the banks. We want to see investment to be simplified to the point where you go to a website, you learn about the project, and you can invest directly into that project. We want to see that kind of direct access to investment. Another difference between us and and say the first north is an ability to pay with cryptocurrencies we as i mentioned on a numerous occasions today we want to see that broader access from the world we really do want to see the african continent the asian region south america we want to see those regions to seek out good opportunities and become owners and do make their own portfolios and you know collect the dividends as a result because especially for them, investing in classical NASDAQ type of markets is especially difficult. It's possible for us to, to accommodate such investors. Can I jump in here? So first of all, to comment about what you said, what my dad mentioned earlier about the Baltics, I think you made a good point about the countries being developed and at a stage of development. And so there are more projects. But on the other hand, I think it would be fair to say that in Western Europe, there's more cash ready to be invested. And therefore, there's this opportunity here to get the money from countries like Germany, France, Spain, where it's very hard to find investment opportunities and transfer that money towards the East or the Baltics, where there are these projects that offer high growth, not because they're there's something scammy about them or something untrustworthy, but just because it's a, an area with, with high economic growth. And that's, I think, an important thing for investors to understand, because I think maybe, I mean, in Spain, for example, we've gotten used to uh, high interest equals scam, which is not the case. Maybe if it's in, in these Western countries, yes, when everything's offering 
low yield and something comes in and offers double, there's probably something wrong there. But here we're talking about a geographic opportunity, which does make sense once you look into it. Obviously, the regulations that, that you mentioned also help, for sure. That's on the positive side. But yes, indeed, I must say for Fintelum, it's actually extremely difficult to reach out to the public because of these couple of scam projects which were here before. So that's why I really insist on keep telling people that when you actually transfer the money from your bank account or from your crypto wallet to the project, you're not giving it to Fintelum. You're giving it directly to the project. And that project has disclosed everything, what they're doing. They have the names, they have the profiles, the, it's fully in accordance with the local regulation. So everything is under scrutiny in that sense when you're offering an equity offer. But when you're just a platform that collects money, well, that's why the regulation also had to come into play finally is to clean up the industry. Although we would be happy to work without regulation. I'm a libertarian by, by belief, so I, I actually don't believe in regulation because scam, if there are scammers in the market, there are other means of cleaning them out. And we simply need to be vigilant and uh, and do that proactively. But now that the regulation will be in place, it doesn't guarantee that there won't be any scammers. I have to insist on that. There will always be bad players. But uh, to Fintelum, that's been extremely challenging to even you know start talking to anyone. You know, we're based in Latvia. We're a Latvian team. We're extremely experienced in the financial markets and crypto markets, uh, technologically, compliance-wise. But nobody would listen just because of these couple of scam cases. And it's, it's very unfortunate, actually. But, you know, it comes with the turf. You're in the business. You have to be ready to face, you know, the bad players as well, both as an investor and as a service provider as Fintelon. First of all, I've, I agree completely. And I've also seen from, since I talk about many platforms, uh, I've seen the backlash against every, say, P2P lending platform over the past two years when there was there were a number of scams or mismanaged companies at the very least i think the the way forward is that as you're doing we have to acknowledge that there were these bad actors and they were mostly from the baltics but not everybody is the same and once we acknowledge we can also differentiate and talk about why certain platforms are different than those bad actors as you are doing and not only just trust us because we are better but because we've built the actual implementation that is different and so what i would like to do now is if you could walk us through how you accept a project and then how i as an investor can invest and what's happening uh, under the hood so to speak so we kind of understand because i think in general you said you're not a new company that's true but I think in general, people are very new to this idea of STOs and uh, crypto. Crypto is still a new thing. So I'd like to kind of understand and make it easier for people to understand what's happening in the background as well. Mm -hmm. So again, just allow me to differentiate. Uh, Fintelum is not a crypto company per se. And uh, the STO part or security token offering part is uh, largely our vision of the future. And that vision was actually written in a white paper all these three years ago. You can have a look at it. This is our train of thought. And this is what we really believe in. Maybe there won't be any 
securities registered on a blockchain in the future, but maybe there will. And if there will, Pentelum has carved a way of how it could potentially look and potentially our implementation, which is based on the Ethereum blockchain, could be a benchmark for others. We just want to make a case in point and we want to show the world by, say, this first project Keep that this is how you do it. And that's the technical implementation which we're going to offer. You know, from your or my perspective as a user, it will look very simple. We, we will go on, uh, you know, EtherScan and we'll just see that the float is this much and it probably will stay within Fintelon boundaries. But maybe later on, people become more sophisticated and they will use their security holdings and keep them on their wallets. We do not expect that to happen from the day one because most of our investors and the investors we still are seeking and approaching, they're classical investors investing euros. In fact, only very few uh, have invested cryptocurrencies, you know, because that's a crowdfunding campaign and typically people use fiat money to allocate funds to, to crowdfunding campaigns. Therefore, what they will receive in return, they will be legitimate shareholders simply with a digital token on the Fintelon platform, which they will say, you know, maybe at the party in the afternoon, they will say to their friends, hey, by the way, I'm an owner of this company and it's a tokenized company. What does it mean? It means I can show you on the blockchain where my token is. <laughs> That's all it means. <laughs> But of course, if our vision is uh, correct, every security will be listed on a blockchain. And that's why I'm saying we're not a crypto company. We're simply an IT provider, a sort of IT uh, infrastructure provider and compliance provider to these projects. Now, your question about how do we select them? To be honest, it took us a really long time to find a, you know, a project that we we're actually proud to go out on a market to offer to the market. And it took us a while to, you know, I've met so many projects. I have like three small books like this they're full of uh, different projects that i i've gone through before we actually uh, landed on this uh, this keep one because we were looking for a legitimate dividend yielding asset we wanted to offer to the public a proper investment vehicle where they would invest in real shareholding of a real company that generates cash and that is able to disburse a real payment in in, in the form of dividends And to tokenize that is to show how a traditional investment can be paired and put into this visionary setup of tokenization, which probably will be the future. I'm saying probably, not necessarily, may very well not happen. And the second part is, uh, of course, an ability to reach out to wider public through cryptocurrencies to accept investment from basically a global investor. Okay, let's go back to the basics. What's the simple difference between a token and a traditional security? For example, claim to title. Therefore, with traditional securities, you have a certificate. You can show it to the banks if you want to borrow against it, or you can pledge it again to get a loan, a temporary loan. With regards to token, how does it work? What is the difference between a token and a traditional security? In our setup, There is no difference because what we do, we manage the shareholder register and that is legally permissible until the law changes and says that this token made on this implementation on that specific project 
can stand in the court, then I would say there's totally no difference. But at the moment, token is a representation of that ownership, which we will be able to see on Fintelum platform. Now, if Fintelum ceases to exist, that token can be reproduced on another platform. So it's a, the business continuation is, is insured with owning a token, just like it is insured with owning a shareholding. Because at the end of the day, legally, if you're a shareholder of a company, you're accountable to the management of that company. So the management of that company, in our case, the Project Keep, they simply outsource the right to manage the shareholder registrar to service providers such as Pentulum. We effectively simply look at who owns the, the token as per the primary issuance or secondary trading, and we tell the management that these are your owners, these are your shareholders. So essentially, as far as it is being managed by someone, there is no difference. If we cease to exist, the investor will have direct relationship with the management, or if the management outsources it to another service provider, these investors would be accountable to them. Therefore, a token is a bearer share or a share which is owned by somebody, and it's uh, written somewhere that is owned by Jean Gallet or Joseph Gallet. I wish it were a, a bearer instrument, but as you know, the, the globally, the, the law is changing and bearer instruments are no longer a top priority. And the money laundering. Exactly, because it's it's like owning, a, I don't know, a gold bar. It's, it's, extremely, it's extremely prone to AML risks, and that's why bearer instruments will probably be difficult to get back to. So that's why you have a middleman in unnecessary middleman in between, although I do dislike middlemen, but I must say Fendelum is a middleman and we have to be, and we are someone who would call ourselves a token transfer agent or shareholder transfer agent is in our sense is completely the same. Ensuring the, the identity of these owners corresponding uh, to that shareholding and ensuring that if they change uh, shareholding, then we ensure that identity of all these newcomers is checked. That's why we need to be as Fintelum in between the ownership of an individual or a corporate entity and the project. So that's not a bare instrument, unfortunately, because the law doesn't allow for it to be. But if suddenly, by some you know, way of magic, the law changes and allows tokens to be bare instruments, I think that's going to be a win-win for people. Although I must say there's a huge AML risk in it, but you know, as a libertarian, I'm all for bearer instruments. You said earlier that uh, you want to reach out to a greater audience, a wider audience, through cryptos, possibly. Why is that? Um, is it because it's like a currency, therefore you wouldn't have too many currencies to deal with, or because of something else? Both. I do think I'm a great believer in cryptocurrencies as a libertarian, of course, but uh, I also do think that they perform a necessary role as a dollar, for instance. You know, everyone can have access to dollar, almost everyone. It's uh, increasingly difficult, but uh, in the old age, it was actually quite easy to access dollars because it was, you know, a great convertible currency. Today, I'd say cryptocurrencies have entered that sphere and have completely, well, not completely, but largely pushed out the dollar supremacy in terms of convertibility and accessibility because crypto, you can actually almost everywhere, if not everywhere, uh, access. 
And if you can access uh, cryptocurrency, that means you have this liberty at hand to to be an investor or to be a, a economically significant actor in the market. So that's one very important aspect of cryptocurrencies because I, I do see the use and I do see you know that it enables people rather than disables as for instance a dollar would and the second part is absolutely uh, you know the wider the the offer is uh, the more interest there is from my experience in globetech there were you know 4000 investors investors from 125 or so countries so i i see there's a lot of uh, economically active uh, cryptocurrency users which are potential you know potential clients in good uh, dividend yielding assets and if by any case they wanted to diversify their portfolios out of crypto or out of their fiat currencies into something else they could do it via crypto john earlier on asked you about how you screen the applicants for funding i imagine that you get your fees through success fees am i right therefore don't you think that you have a conflict of interest there if the fundraiser is successful then fintelum you get you get your fee. gets fee correct Therefore, don't you think that there is a bit of a conflict of interest? I am an investor, and I would know this that that you get your fees through success fees. Therefore, if you don't have many projects in the line, obviously your fee income would would start drying up. How do you ensure that you retain the same standards of scrutiny throughout? Well, first of all, that's actually the reason why we don't have many projects because we do have extreme amount of scrutiny on them. and there's so many uh, projects have gone through our doors which we simply cannot accept i'll give you an example an existing asset with some cash flow and the owners simply want to exit so i don't i don't believe pentanum should be a market for exits if there is so much demand perhaps we could integrate such products with a high warning degree but i don't believe pentanum should be an a place for exits it should be rather for projects that are looking to build something to develop something and to get back to investors with tangible with tangible gains now i don't believe there is a conflict of interest at all because for us this is a market in test first of all we are still testing if if such a project is uh, is needed for the market and uh, for us it's very important our what you call the reputation so there's absolutely no conflict of interest we are definitely it's in our interest that the projects that we choose are not only successful but they're interesting in terms of uh, financial gain to investors and that's why for us it took so oh, I agree long. 100% with you yeah that reputation has a higher value than any fee income sure. in, in my for opinion sure. and in fact I'll, I'll go further and explain to you that for this uh, project keep and i've also vowed for another maybe 5 or 10 next projects at least to sit on the supervisory board for each of these projects and the reason is there is no financial gain to me from it there's actually work there's not so much gain and the reason is i intend to be that so representative person within the company in front of the shareholders that the numbers that they report because obviously they will have reporting to do you know every quarter or so to the investment community what they have done with the money how the allocation of the funds when is the first dividend expected you know very similarly to a typical nasdaq um uh, company listed company my presence as a shareholder representative on the supervisory board will ensure that the numbers which are reported are correct 
therefore you are a representative of the investors on the supervisory that, board that's what my that's what my commitment towards investors uh, is in, actually indeed it's more work than benefit but i will ensure that what they report is actually truthful because they're not bound by regulated market rules they're bound by largely crowdfunding rules and service provider rules which are our rules and in order to ensure that the you know the reporting is correct not misleading you need to be some sort of board to see the actual numbers because obviously that's where the truthfulness is, is being reported you know, typically companies don't report false numbers to the boards yeah i'm touching on this subject do you insist that uh, all these borrowers appoint highly rated auditors, top four? You know, this is, um, it's not my place to say that because I know that would be additional cost to the investors. But I do think if investors require such high profile auditing, there should be a subset of companies which are audited and therefore their returns will obviously be lower because of that audit costs which will be included but the, they would be safer as well not necessarily why well because uh, you know audit doesn't uh, doesn't ensure the truthfulness of of the management it, it does ensure the truthfulness of, of the numbers reported but you know well an audit doesn't ensure the accuracy of financial statements but there is a lot of testing scrutiny around reasonability tests otherwise the audits would be done for nothing sure but within a company you can always be creative the audit will simply report the numbers as they are whereas uh, for me as a supervisory member i will see the, the inside of the company more intimately than an auditor would but that would but shouldn't but be a requirement you, uh, it's it's very uh it's yeah most probably you would know you would know the project uh, in detail more than the auditors do Therefore, in your past history, and uh, we've passed through this year, this past year full of problems brought about by the pandemic. It was a testing period no, for everyone concerned, including many businesses. What has been your experience? Have you ever had a failure or a company that was really, really struggling, possibly because of COVID, but it can be because of other factors? You know, we haven't really gone through a failure because we've only started now. We've We've been slow to start, so to speak. That's largely due to COVID, but we haven't seen a failure yet. Also for this uh, offering, which we have now, the project called Keep, uh, they are, they're actually running their business as usual. The, their storage rooms are full and they, they can't wait to build new ones because there's so much demand. Especially during COVID, people don't know where to put their things. And uh, so they're looking for, for places to to store their belongings and that business in a sense is not actually that impacted by by the covid uh, problems but overall if you ask me about overall economy absolutely there's a lot of surviving mode at the moment there's a lot of you know fake money coming in fake maybe it's not really a good way to explain it but there's a lot of new money coming in which will be looking for ways to invest and most possibly misallocate so there are bubbles brewing in places which we cannot assess at the moment yet. Well, raw materials are definitely crippling in prices, stock markets, etc. But that hasn't really translated to our business and to the projects that we offer. They, they, they are still within the framework of what they plan to do. Uh, they can't wait to build more. The income is still, projected income is still the same. 
Yes, we have been quite slow to start off, but there haven't been any failures per se. Not yet, anyway. Good. But besides Keep, right? This new Latvian company, which is, I read, registered, uh, being the first security token offering project listed on Fintelium tokenization platform. Fintelium, correct. This happened in March. Good. But I've seen other projects on, on your website, and uh, the vast majority are in European countries. I noticed one that uh, is in Brazil. How do you manage to attract um, so many foreign projects? So uh, let me clarify. The project that you see reported on the website are projects which were carried out elsewhere. And typically, these projects are platforms themselves. So largely... Those security token offerings which are reported there, they're simply audited by us and they have the stamp of approval that yes, indeed, they happened. And yes, indeed, they were security offerings. Many of them haven't actually survived, but some of them have and they're still, they're still around. But none of those uh, reported besides Keep have been issued by us. They were issued elsewhere by other platforms. And those majorly, there were platforms themselves who were raising money. Don't you think that this can be a little bit confusing to the reader? Well, for a very long time, we only had them. That was uh, also reported in our um, in our STO report, which came out uh, sometime last year. And only now that we had this uh, first project key, we we simply added it on top. It was a choice of convenience. It, if it is confusing, then I always clarify that. This is our first security token offering. And the other ones are reported cases which are audited by us. Okay. And therefore, Keep uh, should be a catalyst to future investments through your platform? It is um, a case in, in, it's an example, a case in point that we are trying to make with our Ethereum-based implementation and with the ability to invest in crypto. And with a real business, which can offer a dividend to investors. Investment is open in euros, Bitcoin or Ether. It is converted back to euros if it's in crypto. And you become a direct shareholder in a company registered in Latvia. Why Latvia? Because of commercial law. Uh, why this company? Because it has an attractive yield. You know, maybe the other cases which will follow will not have such an attractive yield, but we definitely wanted to start with the first case which has an attractive yield. And that's largely, Jean, coming back to what you said, people are looking for yield. And if we came out with a project that yielded only 5%, perhaps it wouldn't be even even considered. So I'm, I'm not saying that the next projects, if there will be, they, they may have uh, a lesser uh, dividend but the first one, we were definitely looking for something more um, elevated. Therefore, 15%, am I right, the indicative rate? That is the indication. But in fact, they estimate, and if you look at the offering document, they estimate actually a higher rate because they, they believe that that there is a lot of demand for this kind of product. And if they, have, uh, if they succeed uh, with the fundraise, they believe they could actually offer a much higher return. But I don't want to speculate on that. 15% is what they say they will deliver. And will the next projects, uh, if you're successful with this, do you plan to have the same dividend share model? Or are you considering other financial assets as you define them on the website itself? Absolutely. So Fintelum as a platform, uh, already three years back, were planned to be able to accommodate four types of investment projects. One is uh, equity investment, obviously debt investment, product or service investment, and charity. Interesting. 
So I would like to see all types of products come to Fintelum because simply there is a technical possibility to segregate them and to offer them all. My interest is always with products or services as well, because I, I do think there's a lot of innovation in that. So we do have a couple of projects uh, in the pipeline, which are ICOs or initial coin offerings. And those wouldn't be securities, but they would be products or services. STOs is a great new leap into this new unknown. And I would like to see also securities, which are debt securities, and which we can also put on the blockchain. Because for debt securities, the lifespan is shorter. And typically, we would probably do a short-term loans, which are year to two years in duration. And for that set of short uh, lifespan, you would be able to see how they are born on the blockchain and how they die off because they're being liquidated, dispersed, and, uh, and the principal is being repaid. So that would really give an, uh, an example how security tokens in terms of debt issuance would work on a blockchain. But my absolute favorite is, of course, equity, because, uh, you know, typically an investor lives off a dividend or, or some sort of regular yield. If that's how we build our houses, that's how we, you know, buy our boats and cars, we, we buy it off of a dividend. So I would like to see more uh, security token offerings in, uh, as uh, equity offerings. So we can, you know, we can truly say there's, there's a possibility to trade greater small or medium companies with a good yield and dividend. Well, the difference um, between the two is also uh, this generation gap. For example, Jean might prefer equities. I would prefer debt uh, or bonds um, because I cannot wait uh, <laughs> <laughs> for a long time to get my returns. And uh, <laughs> equities have their own risk as well, therefore. I think it's good to have a, a mix. Uh, you can have a, a hybrid, a sort of mezzanine as well. The more variety you have, the better. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about the entry level. Um, if I understand well, your entry level is 50, 50 euros or equivalent, and which is very low probably to give a wider level of access. People can try you as well. Uh, initially, they might be a little bit hesitant or clumsy how to go about it, but then they gain confidence. But don't you think that this very small entry level can attract people who wouldn't really know what they're doing? Well, that's why the, the risk is so low for them. That is actually precisely why the entry level is so low, so that people who maybe want to try out, they try out with very low, risking very low amounts of money. But I must say, at this very moment, there's a, there's a lot of small investors, but we're quite kind of ready for bigger investors as well. We would like to attract more serious investors with this project as well. So to answer your question, I, I think that's precisely the reason why the entry level should be low, so that sense of democratizing access would, would somehow be doable. Once you, you start with something small, you see that it actually works, you, you maybe invest a little more, etc. It's a learning process. And I don't think we learn unless we do stuff. And if you can do stuff with small amounts, you know, that's exactly what you should do. It. I think we're seeing a lot of this with, with crypto itself, you know, with DeFi, for example, where people are just experimenting. Things are breaking, but everybody is learning a lot. And I think it's great. Of course, if I think somebody invests 50 euro in Ethereum, he's probably going to pay 
too much in, in gas fees. So <laughs> for sure, <laughs> probably. for sure, for crypto, that's a whole different story. But uh, in our case, if if you invest uh, above ten thousand, we will ask you for where your money is coming from. That's our AML policy. And if we do understand that that's all your savings, we will probably return your money. So we are conscious of people's uh, willingness to risk, but they definitely shouldn't risk everything they have. They should risk an amount that they're not uh, they're not afraid to lose. If they understand the investment uh, dynamics, there's always a bigger sum that you can allocate at a later stage. But uh, typically I say, for us, it's an email policy, which says, yes, up until 10,000, we will not ask uh, too many questions. Still, the, the application form is quite complex. You will need to provide your identity, even if you invest only 50 euros. But, uh, you know, above certain threshold, we will be asking more questions about where your wealth is from and you know, the source of wealth, basically. Okay, therefore, if I understood you well, you take the pains of going into the financial statements of these companies and the results and possibly explain them to the investors. Um, do you have this facility on your website? I'm not sure whether I've seen it. You mean um, if the investor is a corporate entity? No, uh, an individual um, who invests through you. For example, let's say I invest in Keep. What kind of uh, financial information do I get uh, every so often? Is it Would it be coming from you? Would you provide an analysis of the performance, an independent analysis sort of, so that I would know how the investment is, is faring? Can I contact you to ask your questions? Absolutely. So there is a communication place and point within the Fintum platform where you can ask questions. As far as financials are concerned, the offering document offers certain financials within it. And as far as reporting is concerned, after the fundraise, all the projects will be required to report quarterly on, uh, as I mentioned, on their allocation of funds, on the expected dividend, on the man basic management report will be available to investors. So absolutely, yes. And do you provide consultancy services as well? I read something about this. That depends uh, to whom? To individual investors or to, to projects? To investors. To invest, uh, well, investors in projects, maybe, not, not in invest, Absolutely small investors. Absolutely, projects, because that's you know, part of the offering. We wouldn't be able to, to list a project without a thorough uh, consultancy. For investors, I think we would be quite welcoming and answer all your questions. But there is no service as such for investors as consultancy. But if you ask any questions, we will, you know, in the support center, which is within the Fintel platform, we will be happy to answer you, of course, free of charge. And is it only in English that uh, you communicate? So, yes, we do communicate primarily in English. Of course, we do know many other languages, but we want to stay global. And uh, as we're still only starting off, you know, including all of the world's languages would be too much of, a, of an effort for us. So English being an internationally accepted uh, choice, we will converse uh, primarily in English. But I've seen your white paper. Can you explain this to us? Yes, uh, I noticed that uh, it's in different languages. Can, can you explain to our audience uh, the, what, what is the meaning of this draft paper? It's like, uh, you know, an instructional document, which I liked going through. I mean, you always learn <laughs> many things. You know, this white paper is quite, um, it's quite unique in a sense. It's not so much instructional paper. It's more of a, 
this is how we see the future of tokenization. And this is our sort of blueprint, if you like, how it could be implemented for other, uh, for other service providers down the line. To answer the question why it's in different languages, because uh, well, Russian is quite a familiar language to us. We all speak Russian. I speak French. You know, maybe those translations are not super uh, good, but they do convey the idea, I believe. And there's also one in Spanish, and the Spanish is because, well, one thing, I'm learning Spanish. <laughs> that's, that's also a reason. And uh, I'd like to see more uh, Spanish-speaking uh, community joining in. If we attract interest from from specific linguistic region, I think we will be happy to translate uh, the materials as well as the website into other languages. Um, I have an alternative, maybe, question to you. You mentioned several times that you're a libertarian, and I think many in the crypto space would identify with these ideals. Now, within the political space and in general, the general public, it's hard to find support maybe for such ideals. So I think many libertarians are taking to building their own ideas in their own businesses or other initiatives. So my question would be, how does Fintelum represent your ideals as a libertarian? If that's really is something that you've considered when building Fintelum. That is a great question, John, and I really appreciate you, you asking this. So my little libertarian uh, streak within Fintelum is um, transposes onto the place and time when these securities or tokens as non-securities, these instruments that Fintelum facilitates to issue with these issuers, when they become traded in crypto. I want to see them being traded in crypto. Of course, each project may choose to list them in fiat because that would be ultimately their choice. We would be simply a technical and compliance service provider bowing to their needs and requests. But my hope is that at least some of the projects will choose to list them, say, in Ether, in Bitcoin. And I would be able to provide that with my team at Fintelum as a service where we, we start basically pricing these securities and cryptocurrencies. So this, this idea is way off in the future. It's not going to happen tomorrow for sure. But uh, if I have to answer that question, and that's a really good one, then that small bit of, of um, promoting cryptocurrencies is in, in a sense as a use case in equities would be my answer. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's a very good use case because almost everyone has some interest in investing in the stock market and companies. And I think as crypto becomes more mainstream, and becomes more treated like a currency that everyone is familiar with, owns, wants to do something with. We need to have these outlets where it's not just trading. We need to do something with the crypto that we've built over the years to, in terms of holdings. So I really look forward to that. How would this differ from like services from Binance or FTX, where they are tokenizing existing stocks like Tesla, bigger companies what are they doing if you know well the um we can't really compare ourselves to binance because they largely they're <laughs> yeah. la actually they're doing so many things we can't even compare ourselves at all maybe before with globitex i could compare myself to to the likes of binance because actually globitex and binance were born at the same time except binance was born in china 
and they had the market opportunity of the Chinese population and, and billions. And uh, Globotex was born in, in, the, in the Baltics with a relatively small market at their disposal. Anyway, the point being, comparing to Binance wouldn't be a fair, a fair way. But if we compare that segment of Binance where they issue tokens, I think not only Binance, but also all the other providers, they still struggle with understanding where legally they lie and how they should be treating themselves. Whereas with Fintelum, we're quite uh, law conscious and we do understand that in order to offer this instrument, we need to go under the crowdfunding regulation or at least the crowdfunding principle if there were no regulation. We understand that in a sense quite strongly. And if it's not, then it's a prospectus issuance for larger amounts above five, uh, 5 million or 8 million. So from 5 to 8 million, there is a simplified prospectus possible. But uh, above 8 million offerings, they simply mandate a full-fledged prospectus. And that's why you should use regulated markets, which are you know, the likes of New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ, etc. We understand where our limitation is, and we therefore stay within that limit. A retail investor demand, yes, we can accommodate that, but only for small and medium company offerings, not for large uh, IPO type of uh, issuances. And as far as I see for, for other service providers, their offerings are more into the realm of prospectus offering. And there's sort of really... You know, teetering on the on the edge with uh, getting into conflict with the local regulation, the likes of um, Securities and Exchange Commission in, in America. Uh, so there's there's a huge risk in what they're doing with certain. Pro- I'm not saying with all projects, but there are certain projects which are qualifying as securities, not as utility tokens. So my advice uh, would be simply to be careful in where you invest and just have that you know conscious understanding whether you're investing. Um, to buy a product or service, which you can then later on use, or you're buying something with a speculative interest, which will probably give you an increased value gain upon exit or some sort of regular payments, as for instance, for key projects as a dividend. One other question I have with regards to liquidity and the secondary market. You mentioned that, again, it's not something that you have right now because it's the first project, but if things are successful, it would obviously be in the interest of investors to be able to sell their tokens because they need to, because they're whatever the reason, you know, they have access to liquidity. How do you plan to offer that? And could it be also the case where it could it? Can you visualize it being done on a peer to peer? Say, if I invest in Keep, could I at some point transfer it to my dad without Fintelum being involved in there? Excellent question. Absolutely good, wonderful question. So let me, in a way, disappoint you and give you an encouragement because, yes, depending on the investor demand, the secondary market technically will be available. So the project will simply make a request and we will list that security. In order for you to exchange directly peer-to-peer with your dad, you will need to take that uh, token to your personal wallet. But even then, uh, since you both will be probably AML compliant, yes, you will be able to do that uh, for sure on the on the platform. But in order to do it off the platform, there is actually a way to do it, which is actually explained in the white paper we have just discussed. 
And yes, you will be able to do it. But we do not expect that many people will use this opportunity because the the literacy of uh, using their personal wallets is still quite in the starting point. So we expect that the majority of exchange will happen on the platform, not off the platform. But uh, yes, absolutely, it will be possible to do it off the platform as well in the P2P uh, manner except it will be a little bit more costly because it's going to be a crypto transaction. And if it is in against, say, Ether, crypto against token, it will be relatively simple. If it is going to be against Bitcoin, it's going to be a little bit more complicated. If it's going to be, you know, versus euros, it will involve intermediation of the key project's bank. So it complicates things even more. But in theory, you could also do it in euro. The most simple way would be to list such a exchange in crypto and then the transaction can actually happen. So the dividend would be assigned based how would let's say I invested and then I later sold to my dad, how would he then receive the dividend of the token? Would the owner of the, the, the share receives the dividend or the or the so token? Would, it's the same thing, yeah. Token share. Would, okay, we call uh, it share token. Would he receive the dividend in euros or in crypto? Can he choose? Yes, exactly. In fact, the investor can express their wish to receive the dividend in crypto. It's all very possible because Fintulum is in between. Yes. Typically, obviously, the company would receive their income in euros. And typically, people would prefer their dividend in euros. But absolutely, I want to see you know increased interest in dividend payments in crypto as well. Let me just finish on this case. If I had to sell the tokens to my dad and we'd be receiving the dividends in euro, dividends would be sent by the company directly, right? Well, that depends if the company outsources this uh, to Fintelum. Okay. But they could send it directly to you. In any case, though, you would still have my bank account details. How does... I sold him the token, but you still have my bank account details. How do you update them to his details? That's why the best way to is to still completely continuously manage it on the Fintelon platform because the, the, the management of shareholder relations is still within the Fintelon platform. And it is ideal that the company outsources continuously this to Fintelon. It's simply easier. So, for instance, there comes uh, a dividend payment uh, event. They pull out the report from Fintelon platform realistically speaking that's how it happens they pull out reports from the dividend platform because they also have a dashboard access to Fintelum, but from an issuer's point of view and there they pull out a report of who owns what and then the dividend payment goes to the details indicated to the owners but to sell i, I imagine that you have to pay a fee no to sell and buy through the platform secondary market of course of course, any movement of uh, interest involves costs and related costs. Uh, one last question from my side. Um, this new venture, Keep AS, can you explain to us what is their project exactly? Sure. That's a very, very simple mom and pop sort of uh, company. They offer short-term self-storage boxes, which they have set up already, tested the market for about two years. And uh, they see a huge potential for market demand. They've recently done a survey that, yes, indeed, people want such storages. And they're metal workers themselves. They know how to optimally build them. They will you know, build it uh, themselves and uh, locate it in already 
known areas at a very reduced cost, which is adding to the elevated dividend. So it's basically storage boxes, self-storage boxes for people, for everyday people. Uh, and that generates uh, regular income, which they can be uh, dispersed to the investors. And why did you choose this particular project? So first of all, the project owner, uh, Christoph Leitnex, is also in the same business club that I am myself. We are both members of the BNI International. I don't know if you're familiar, but there's a, like a business organization. So I know him uh, personally. And uh, his business simply offered a really very uh, attractive uh, cash flow case. As I mentioned, I was looking for the first project to be not only positive in dividend, but elevated in dividend. And this one in particular is both partially a, a real estate project and a business so it's a combination of both. And I like that it is very simple. It's down to earth. It's a real business. It's not some nebulous blockchain project, which nobody understands how it works. And uh, when you invest in it, you risk uh, something that you don't know what you risk even. Here, when you buy a, a piece of company, which is already worth 360000 which is uh, issuing 50% uh, additional shares, which is promising 15 uh, and plus in dividend, and which is fairly understandable to everyday user. That kind of project I was looking for. Now, the next ones may be a little more nebulous, depends, but uh, I wanted the first one, the case in point for Fintelon, to be a real business with real income and uh, real substance behind. I wanted to see that pairing of reality with blockchain representation, that you can represent real businesses on the blockchain. I think it's a good move. Thank you for your approval. All right. So, yeah, from my end, I don't have any more questions either. I think we asked a lot of questions. So thanks for answering all these questions, which are obviously important to investors since it's a kind of a new kind of investment. So it's important to ask the questions. And uh, yeah, from my end, I'm very excited about Fintelum and other similar projects. I would love to see this succeed. And this, I think, will also help the adoption of crypto. So as a crypto fan myself, this is great. And so to close it off, maybe I don't know if you wanted to mention anything else from your end and we can wrap it up. Well, my only wish is that more people try and understand what we're on about. I know it's maybe quite cryptic, but at the end of the day, it's a very simple investment, but in a new form. The investment process is still the same. There's nothing new to it. Just like for any other security, you still need to provide your KYC and AML data. So in that sense, there's nothing new to it. But what's new about it, that you can pay in crypto if you like, and you will be able to see your shareholding on blockchain. Other than that, it's a very, very basic investment uh, project. Excellent. So for people who want to learn more, they can visit fintelum.com. Do you have any other way of perhaps subscribing to a newsletter or something of that sort? Absolutely. Um, if you become a client, there's a, a box you tick that you'd like us to contact you with, uh, with an update of any sort. And there's also a Telegram group, which we run. We cover also all the social media, almost all possible social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Reddit, Medium. We also have our own news section, which is our blog. We publish there quite a bit of, of at least once a month, something of interest. 
yeah, and if you have community questions, we're happy to answer those on uh, on the Telegram channel. Excellent. So, yeah, good luck again with the, the project and thanks again for joining us on this Thank episode. You. Thank you. And I hope to see you as investors. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Mastermind.fm. If you liked what you heard in today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show. Send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show. Send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show. Send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show. Send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show. Send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with us on Twitter at mastermind.fm. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a fantastic week.